full of tightly wound string that could unravel at any moment. But those emotions had to be set aside for now. There were more pressing concerns for her to worry about. Not long after Emily and her companions had arrived at the research station, they had received a garbled radio signal, not from the International Space Station circling the Earth and Fiona Mulligan, its ever-watchful but doomed commander. This new message had been from a British submarine, the HMS Vengeance. At the sound of the static-broken radio signal, Emily and Jacob had momentarily forgotten their differences and rushed to the radio room. But the garbled signal had not repeated. And now, almost four hours after the first message had been received, there had been no further contact with the sub. As the minutes slipped into hours, Jacob had finally said he had chores to do and left. Do more to the angry stare Emily would give him every time he opened his mouth than any real tasks, Emily thought. And as time wore on, first Thor, then Rhiannon had fallen asleep. The girl was slumped in a chair in the corner of the room, Thor on his side at her feet. But Emily remained awake, periodically pressing the talk button on the tabletop microphone attached to the large radio transmitter. This is Emily Baxter calling the HMS Vengeance. I'm here with three other survivors at the research station on the Stockton Islands. If you can hear me, please respond. She spoke the words robotically now. The initial tone of excitement her voice had carried had moved to anticipation, only to be replaced by one of desperation. Thor gave a long, luxurious stretch of all four legs, arched his back, yawned, and looked up at Emily. Glad you're able to relax, Emily said to the dog, which immediately set his tail sweeping back and forth across the floor. She rose from her seat at the radio and started over to where a slumbering Rhiannon was snoring gently. She was about to shake the girl awake when a crackle of static snapped her attention back to the radio. Emily rushed back to the desk, grabbed the mic in both hands, and thumbed the talk button. Hello? This is Emily Baxter calling HMS Vengeance. Are you there? Another burst of static hissed from the speaker, and then, as if he was standing in the room with her, a rich male voice burst from the speakers. Ms. Baxter, this is Captain Edward Constantine. I'm very glad to make your acquaintance. I hate to be... The captain's speech was suddenly broken by a racking cough. The radio went silent for a moment, then his voice once again filled the room. My apologies. My crew has an emergency on our hands, and we badly need your assistance. Are you the person in command there? Emily hesitated for a moment before answering. Yes, she stated firmly. I'm the one you need to speak to. The vengeance had been laid up at the Canadian Forces Base Halifax in Nova Scotia for resupply and some well-earned R&R for the crew the day the red rain had swept across the globe. Most of my crew were ashore on leave when we got an order from the Admiralty to put back to sea immediately as soon as I had enough crew to operate the boat, the captain explained. Only a handful managed to make it back in time. I cut it as close as I could, but we had only minutes. And orders are orders. The hottest thing I've ever done was leave my people behind. God help me. Thirty-seven of us. 
That's all I managed to save before we put to sea. Thirty-seven out of a crew of one hundred and eighty men. Even over the low-fidelity radio, Emily could hear the pain of regret in the captain's voice. She wondered if she had that same tone in her own voice when she spoke. The vengeance and her crew had remained submerged, running radio silent, since that day, listening in disbelief as the world had died around them. Captain Constantine explained that the nuclear submarine could have stayed submerged for months if it had needed to, but two days ago, a fire had broken out in the crew quarters. It had spread quickly, filling the ship with choking smoke. By the time the fire was out, four more of the crew were dead, and another three had suffered serious injuries. Almost everyone else had suffered some kind of burn or smoke inhalation. The fire had damaged the sub's medical bay, and with the